Hello and welcome to the Empire of the Cop podcast. We've got a special one here for you today. Um, we've got Peter Kenny-Jones, myself, Farrell Keeling, and very shortly we shall be talking to Bundesliga expert Christian Falk. On what subject, you ask? I mean, the one subject that's, uh, I suppose, been pretty, pretty much key this entire time, these past few weeks, especially during the World Cup with all the speculation surrounding his future. Whose future? Jude Bellingham, of course, the man whose name has been on every Liverpool fan's lips for quite a while. Um, and more beyond that, of course, we'll be also talking to Neil Atkinson of the Anfield Rap about their Jurgen Klopp documentary, one we're very, very excited about. But of course, Falk will come first, as will updates on the Jude Bellingham situation. Stay tuned. Right then, Christian, welcome on board to the Empire of Cop podcast. Uh, thank you very much for, for coming on. How are you doing today? Hello again. Um, I'm fine. I'm here uh, back in Germany, not anymore in Qatar. Uh, you know why. <laughs> I'm very happy that England is still in the tournament. So let's hope that they do better. And uh, one man I think everyone will certainly be keeping an eye on, especially Liverpool and uh, Liverpool fans, of course, is star midfielder Jude Bellingham. Uh, you broke the news this morning on um, interest between Liverpool and Bellingham and the talks being more advanced and his family uh, preferring the transfer to Liverpool. Um, just firstly, could, could you let us know what's convinced uh, Jude Bellingham's family about Liverpool being the best move for him currently? You know, there were many talks uh, with his father, um, Mark, and his mother, Denise. Also, his uh, agent, Mark Bennett, was in. And um, there were many points. Um, one is, of course, um, I think they had always a plan getting back uh, to Premier League. Um, I think to go to Germany, it's it's a step. Uh, many English young players did. You know, Sancho did it at Dortmund. Uh, Bellingham uh, saw that. And uh, it was a good move. Um, but at the end, um, now they have to see which is the best uh, club where he can perform. And, you know, at Liverpool, um, you have Henderson, you have Milner, they have a special age. Uh, Thiago is uh, often injured. Um, yeah, not nice. Uh, we saw him at Bayern Munich playing very well. Uh, it's a pity. And um, I think Bellingham sees the chance that he can be a leader at Liverpool uh, at once when he go there. Yeah, okay. Thank you for that. And then maybe just looking at um, the price as well. Obviously, we've seen figures quoted, you know, from 100 million euros, 100 million pounds. You know, I think Florian Plettenberg says it's 100 million euros to 150 million euros, which in, in our money is somewhere between 86 to 129 mil. Just wondering what difference would it make? Obviously, if, if those prices are correct, and what difference would it make having his family on board to the price? Could we maybe, as Liverpool, could we work that down a bit? Or is that we could have stuck with that price, but maybe his family will have a word in his ear. Uh, I think the 150 million euros, what about uh, 130 million pounds, I think, uh, is a benchmark. Um, you know, if Bellingham, and we heard he's very convinced to go to Liverpool, uh, he's convinced about uh, Jürgen Klopp, but at the end he has a contract at Dortmund, and um, Dortmund won't say, um, yeah, we know Jürgen very well, and he's a very, very nice guy, that's why you get him 20 million cheaper, but we don't take the offer of Real Madrid and we don't take the offer of Chelsea or City. So no, that's not that won't work. So I'm not sure I heard that uh, Liverpool can pay about 100 million euros. What about uh, 850, 860 million pounds? That's not enough for the moment. But, you know, it's the beginning of a poker. 
uh, at the end, they have to see uh, if the others like City, they are also very keen on him, say we can pay him. Um, then, and you know, Pep Guardiola is also a very convincing type uh, when he talks to player. So you don't, you shouldn't count on <laughs> getting him cheaper. But um, yeah, perhaps um, the Fairway Sports Group, Fairway Sports Group will sell the club and the new owner can put a little money in and the supporters are happy. As Pete's already mentioned, Christian, we've obviously heard loads about the, the price tag associated with Jude Bellingham, uh, but we don't really know much about the kind of wages uh, that you'd be looking uh, to demand from a potential suitor. Could you give us a little bit more insight into that? Yeah, I think this is uh, not the, the big point in these discussions. I think um, he's thinking first of where can he play and where can he perform? You know, I had already uh, that they informed Real Madrid uh, that the talks are very, very far with Liverpool. So you see, uh, it's not for him the first question money. Otherwise, uh, Chelsea or PSG, they said also already that they want him uh, are in a better position. Uh, I think he knows that he's young and he sees now what it is um, the point when you play at England in such a position, uh, he won't lose this now uh, when he say, oh, I go to a club uh, where I can earn more money, but I have more trouble to play. So I think uh, he's very clear in his head. So at first it's, can I play there? And I think uh, Jürgen Klopp made a very, very good job and convinced him. That's what we like to hear. Uh, while we've got you in, Christian, as well, obviously you've got your, your finger on the pulse in Germany. Liverpool are after a sporting director. We've been linked with quite a few people over in Germany. You'll have to uh, um, forgive my pronunciation. Sven Minslat. I'm sure you can say it better. Um, but we obviously we've seen there's quite a few sporting directors and we've got a, quite a connection with the Red Bull company. Do you know anything about anyone who could come and join Liverpool maybe eventually in the summer? Yeah, so Sven Mislintat, uh, he was That's the manager. <laughs> Sporting director of VfB Stuttgart, you know, um, in the past he worked also for Dortmund, uh, like Jurgen Klopp did. But we heard um, no, there were no talks with Liverpool, and there was a little contact. But uh, we heard uh, no, he's not your next sporting director, and uh, it's always good for him. You know, he's searching a job now, and if you are <laughs> connected to Liverpool, you have uh, better cards in the next talks. But uh, we heard at the moment no talks, which are really close. And if it's uh, not more, uh, it don't it won't happen. Uh, just uh, quickly, Christian, on the England uh, camp, sort of currently, we, we've seen plenty of footage and uh, photography around the relationship between uh, Jude Bellingham, Trent Alexander-Arnold, and Jordan Henderson uh, of Liverpool. Um, what, if any, impact has that relationship at international had on a potential move to Liverpool? Has it further convinced the player, his family, of, as you say, sort of how good a move to Liverpool could be? Sure, that helps. You know, um, Jamal Musiala was also convinced uh, to play for Germany because of uh, the contact with the Bayern Munich players. I talked uh, with Gareth Southgate about that. He said, yeah. It was a shame that the, the Munich players uh, convinced him. Um, yeah, and this is always good for Liverpool. Um, and I talked uh, with Jamal Musiala also about this point. And I said, uh, is there any chance that you can bring him, your one of his best friends to Munich? He said, no, no chance. I would uh, really enjoy to play with him at the club, but uh, I think he won't come to Munich and he will leave the Bundesliga. And uh, so you see uh, the players, uh, also Jürgen Klopp, but also the English national player, are doing a good job to get him to Premier League. 
and then maybe we ask you the million dollar question and put you on the spot. The start of the season next year is Jude Bellingham going to be playing for Liverpool? What what do you reckon the percentage chance of a yes is for us? Do we get excited or not? Yeah, I think uh, that's why we wrote it. Um, you have a very, very good chance. Uh, the answer is yes, because he would like to be there. Uh, but at the end, you know, the clubs have to talk and um, Liverpool has to bring the money. And Dortmund is at the end, the club who's saying yes or no, or we keep him. And, you know, you have seen at uh, Haaland and players before, uh, they always get the money and they hold the players. In the case of Haaland, there was a release clause, so they had no much time left, but they can hold the players if the money is not on the table. So better you bring it. <laughs> That's brilliant. Uh, just lastly, uh, if you don't mind, Christian, um, we've seen plenty, plenty of links. You know, it seems that Liverpool have, have been linked to mostly every single player at the World Cup. Uh, um, you know, we expect this to obviously continue into the summer window. Uh, just from your perspective, from the, the Bundesliga and beyond, are there, are there any interesting names that Liverpool should be keeping an eye out on? Obviously, we've seen plenty of rumours about uh, Nukunku and Chelsea. Liverpool were linked to him very briefly. Um, anything that you think Liverpool fans should be keeping a close eye on? Yes, um, not only Nkunku is very close linked to Chelsea, also Guardiol. Um, but if there's a little a little chance that Liverpool can get this player, I think it's one of the most exciting players we have at the moment in the Bundesliga. And he's doing very, very well. And um, um, yeah, I think in the defense, you can need a little bit help at the moment. So perhaps if you have a chance <laughs> to get Guardiol, uh, try it. Brilliant. Christian, thank you very much for your time for joining us here on the Empire of the Cup podcast. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Welcome back to the Empire of the Cup podcast. We're still here. It's Peter Kenny-Jones and myself, Farrell Keeling, and you've just heard Bundesliga Liga expert Christian Falk uh, telling us all the latest on Jude Bellingham and a potential move to Liverpool. Uh, Pete, I'm, I'm going to come to you first. Um, I mean, you're the only one I can come to at the moment. <laughs> but um, well, I mean, what were your impressions from, from Christian's comments? Because it seems, dare I say it, quite positive regarding a, a possible switch to Anfield. Yeah, well, I think, obviously, what you see on Twitter, there's so many characters. <laughs> we know ourselves from when you're trying to get a message out in that much space, and especially he's breaking news as well and stuff that he was getting out there. Obviously, you then start to worry, are we getting too excited here? Is he just giving us like the the shorter bridge version of the story? But it it does it does seem like we we have got a good chance, haven't we? I think it's it was interesting to hear him say, like, as much as it is down to money, it's not down to money in the sense that he's got a price tag and they, they want that to be met. But I don't think it's gonna be a case of, you know, it's gonna be a bit more, but obviously if you're Dortmund and someone offers you double the money, then that will surely change everything. But it seems that they've got a price they're happy for that to be met by a multitude of clubs. And if it goes down to which club he wants to pick, then it looks like we're in a good position. But I don't know, is that what you took from it? Or... Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think the, the most encouraging thing there is is the um, the money question. Um, we know he's going to cost an absolute fortune. It, it, it seems, obviously, even his family picking Liverpool overall, sadly, isn't going to make that much of a difference to the asking price, which um, I, I, I do honestly find surprising. Uh, but there we are. The main thing is that Liverpool are a priority. Um, I, I think, you know, money not being a factor, wages not being a factor is still 
a massive, massive advantage because you look at the names that have been listed, even looking at PSG, who've reportedly thrown their hat into the ring, uh, that coming from Paul Joyce of The Times, another extremely reliable uh, journalist. Um, PSG, Manchester City, Real Madrid, Chelsea, Manchester United have been ruled out of the race uh, by Florian Plettenberg of Sky Germany. But, you know, you still you look at those names and you think, my God, you know, we're up, up against some absolute financial juggernauts. Not, not, not to say the Liverpool are by any means poor, but in comparison, especially to the likes of um, Qatari-funded PSG and, um, and Ma- Manchester City with Sheikh Mansour's wealth, it, that's a massive, massive advantage. If you can keep the price anywhere near around the 120, 130 million Mark, obviously, we'll have to see what happens with the World Cup, don't we? Because, you know, with the performances and the quality that we've seen, that, that figure could easily go up another 10, 10 or so million. But, but, but even then, you know, you have to argue he's 19 years of age and he's performing so competently on the international stage, you know, never mind the club level. He's worth every penny, isn't he? Yeah, but that, definitely. I think as well, you know, when you've got a player, as you say, who's 19 years old, the only way you could probably see the way he's playing now is that if he was to leave when he's 22, 23, 24, we're going to at least make our money back, surely, aren't we, even with the inflation and whatever. So I think, you know, if if it is, does if he does become someone who maybe goes on to a, a Real Madrid or Barcelona in the future, we don't know what his long, long-term goals are. I don't think that the money that we would have to spend now would be lost you know, in the amount of time that our young years and how long he possibly be there for, and so, you know, it's exciting definitely. But it it definitely wasn't there. Um, you know, we I asked him would he be starting next season at Anfield. There wasn't it wasn't a hundred percent yes, was it? But you know, who knows at these points? You know, but I think Luis Diaz probably wasn't a hundred percent yes till the day before we signed him, was it? So yeah, a lot of things can change. But yeah, it's exciting and certainly that probably reaffirms that it's. It is worth being excited about, probably. But as you said, there's a lot of football to be played till then and a lot of things can change. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, 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 I'll be very... I, mean, very t- I suppose it's difficult, isn't it, to absolutely 100% guarantee um, a, a transfer because then anything, anything can change, you know, especially you mentioned Liverpool's current ownership situation. Um, you know, I, I think obviously Tom Werner's come out a few weeks ago and he said, you know, it's it's business as usual, even if FSG remain uh, stewards of the club. And but you know, I think everyone close to the situation seems relatively confident um, that new ownership or at least new investment will come in in 2023. Um, you know, I, I think I think in my mind, if I, I don't know how you feel about this personally, obviously because we don't have the answers in terms of the finances behind the scenes. We knew Liverpool wanted to get further business done beyond Darwin Nunez um, in the summer. There was certainly the money there to launch roughly 60 to £80 million uh, pounds worth of bid for, say, a Jude Bellingham, say, a Federico Valverde, according to some reports, and obviously Aurelien Tushimani. Um So we know the money was there. That money hasn't been spent. Uh, we don't know, obviously, how much of that will then pass over into the war chest and whether it's just a standard... 100 million, 100 million plus sort of war chest we've got to spend this summer. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of under the impression until further updates come out in the situation that it, it would pretty much be Jude Bellingham and, and that's it should Fenway remain, you know, holding the reins behind the scenes. Maybe a younger option in, in midfield, you know, someone the club can sort of mould, um, but that would be, you know, your statement kind of signing. Uh, whereas, you know, changes in, change in ownership potentially 
you're looking at maybe Bellingham and maybe another, perhaps not a statement signing, another statement signing, but of more substantial value. Yeah. Well, you know, there's not going to be three, four marquee signings in the summer that you sign Jude Bellingham if we were to sign him. You know, we saw last year with Nunes and we seen most times other than, you know, obviously even sort of other than say other than Van Dijk and Allison, but they were in separate windows as well, weren't they? But I think it's not often maybe in the same season that you're gonna go and break the bank twice. We know that there's midfielders needed in terms of the fact that there's probably gonna be Nabi Keaton, Oxley Chamberlain, James Milner going this summer. I think obviously the decision last year was to keep hold of those today and they were way of having around, which you know, there's a lot of opinions on whether that was the right decision or not. But I, I don't see, I definitely don't see all three of them being here again next year. So we're definitely going to need a couple of midfielders. So you see, like the names of like Amrabat that we're being linked with. I think there's going to be a couple, maybe 30, 40 million pound players that we sign who go and add to the squad. Maybe you get another kid, someone like Carvalho and Harvey Elliott, obviously someone of their age, maybe. But I think if we were going to sign Bellingham, he will be the, the one big one. But I'd just say it's interesting to know or to think, sorry. Who the other one would be? Is it going to be a Valverde? Is it going to be something else? You know, it's it's such a strange position, but because I think normally at this time of the year, there's so much football to distract you from all the talk. But oh god, because yeah. we haven't been playing, we're just kind of we're left in this watching the one main target we've got becoming best mates with our captain and <laughs> the scouts in our team. Watching that happen on the other side of the world, no other football to watch. You're probably not even most Liverpool fans probably aren't even enjoying watching England. So it's hard to. Um, Hard to know where we stand, and that's probably what's made all this news bigger. But obviously, to to speak to Christian there and, and to get that update, I think, as I said before, I think it is worth being excited about. But it's definitely not a done deal. Before we move on to sort of some of the names, um, sort of Christian mentioned, and obviously the, the impact of uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Jordan Henderson. Um, where do you stand on sort of transfers, you know, across the next two windows? Because obviously, it has been, you know. Two midfielders, everyone sort of says Liverpool need is an absolute minimum. You've rightly mentioned with the names that are going out potentially in the summer. Naby Keita, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain seems a definite. James Milner's contract's expiring as a veteran. Might go into a coaching role potentially with the club. Three midfielders are going. And obviously we've got some good young talent sort of around the squad uh, mixed in with our sort of current, you know, veteran sort of ageing members. For you, if it is a, if it does come down to being right, you know we've got a certain amount of money here. Fenway is sort of still behind the scenes, even if a new owner are behind the scenes, but we're only going to spend X amount. Um, and you have a choice between, say, bringing in two sort of quality midfielders, you know, you know, Amrabat perhaps, or and someone else, um, roughly hundred million pounds perhaps as a ballpark figure, or alternatively, it's you know Jude, Billing, Jude Bellingham and absolutely. No one else. Where, where, where do you stand on that? Because I think at the start of the season, I think we were all sort of going, ah, oh, right, you know, look, as good as Jude is, we, we just can't bring in only one midfielder with potentially three leaving in the summer. But, you know, I, 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 again, I don't know if it's just the case of the World Cup almost sort of skewing uh, my viewpoint on this. But the more I watch him, I just think, you know what, even if it is only just the one midfielder, I think we'd be absolutely daft for it to not be Jude Bellingham. I, I know that obviously that would cost us, you know, stability in terms of options in the middle of the park, but I just think we just cannot allow Jude Bellingham to go to a rival, be it domestically, you know, God forbid it be Manchester City or even abroad to Real Madrid. I, I, yeah. I just want to get your viewpoints on that. You know, am I a bit insane here or is there a certain <laughs> rationale behind it? Well, 
I said at the start of the year we had nine choices at centre mid. This looks like we could lose. <laughs> I'm not going to say where they are and what they were, but this, we could lose to eight of them this summer, which takes you down to six. So obviously that's two midfields. So you've got what Henderson, Thiago, Fabinho, and then your other three, Harvey Elliott, probably Carvalho, Curtis Jones. You definitely say that second today wouldn't be good enough to start a Premier League game. So then you're relying on the fitness of and then 33-year-olds, Jordan Henderson, you know, with 32, Thiago, Fabinho, 29, and you know, a lot of people have criticised him this season, maybe. But I think that, I wouldn't say that's enough, but I think we can maybe get by with a couple of signings who aren't in the level of even like a, a Sofian Amrabat and, and Musa who we've been linked with today, the, who plays for USA. I think we'd probably have to go a calibre below them to add to the squad, so then it, it's hard to know what the, what the right thing to do is. But I think we're coming to a crossroads, aren't we, in Klopp's team, where we are going to need a couple of a, a good couple of signings and some windows. Like you know, when he first came in, we he signed a few players. It's it looks like our forward line's pretty much sourced, sourced, isn't it, in terms of of their age group. The back line, I think, you know, a lot of people maybe again might criticise Joe Gomez, but I think in Canate Gomez, you've got a future there, and then you've obviously got Van Dijk, who's not going anywhere. I don't think too quickly. Matter probably still going to be around. That's not too bad. And then Trent's going to be there forever. And Robbo was obviously the same age, I think, as Fabinho. So they've got still got a good few years in them. So I think that obviously the one position you have to strengthen the centre midfield. If they all go, I I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be too far against even Milner having another year because I don't think the drop off has been huge from what he was last season, and I think he's worth having in the club. And because we don't want him to go, and you know, I don't want him to go and go and play for Leeds United and for two years and then become their manager and go and have a great career. I think the difference he makes in the dressing room is worth having him around. And Oxley Chamberlain and Cater, I think, will go at the end of the year. So then you've got to look at the case of you keep Bellingham, who's right at the start of his career, Milner right at the end, and then maybe you just try and see again, can we get to January and see if we need to add another body in? We don't know what's going to happen with Arthur Mello, but obviously he could still be pulling him for the last few games of the season. We could end up signing him, and he adds another solid option. It's it's hard to know, isn't it? But probably in a, in a very long-winded answer to your question, sorry, uh, is that I'd say... Bellingham and someone else, but it doesn't have to be, you know, forty million pounds we're spending on someone else. I just think we need another solid player and who can come and do a role. And I'd maybe be inclined to keep hold of Milner as well if we're gonna break the bank on Andrew Bellingham. The Milner one's an interesting one, actually. I think. I'm sure, you disagree. Yeah, you, Most people. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but if you look at, say, I mean, I, I don't hasten to use the example of Gareth Southgate, but. You know, he was obviously speaking about the impact of of Jordan Henderson. Jude Bellingham has spoken about the impact of Jordan Henderson. Harry Kane has spoken about the impact of Jordan Henderson on and off the pitch, leading training sessions, being the the man that controls everyone on the pitch and encourages them. And, and you know, he, he's Jordan Henderson is you know let, let, let's not be daft here. You know, he's still a very very good footballer. I don't think you get other players like Bellingham coming out saying he's actually technically quite underrated unless he's got something to offer on the pitch. But, you know, we, we know that Jordan Henderson obviously is that man whose influence in and around uh, the turf has been so valued and to an extent undervalued, I suppose, by uh, other commentators. Um, 
So in that respect, as you say, James Milner absolutely does have something to value. Of course, I can only begin to imagine the, the fume online if, you know, our, our second option beyond Bellingham is the club going, right, another year, James, go on, have another year. And then, it you wouldn't know, be the second option, though. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt, but obviously we've seen Harvey Elliott, Carvalho, Curtis Jones yeah. again, and Curtis Jones especially as his critics, but I think if you've got those three behind, it's unlikely touch wood, and we've seen many times it goes against us when we think things like this, it's unlikely the whole three that we would start and Bellingham, so four of them, are going to be injured all at the same time, and you're going to have to play that three together, so I wouldn't say the backup, but yes, carry on, sorry, but I just feel like I mean, that's I mean, not I mean, going to be a position is, we, <laughs> We bring up, obviously, Harvey Elliott and Fabio Carvalho. It's worth remembering that, you know, arguably, um, in light of Fabinho's drop in form, um, yeah, I mean, there's a case to be made for Harvey Elliott having been our best midfielder um, in the first half of the season, you'd argue. So even if you look at the basis of going, right, our starting three at their absolute best is Jordan Henderson, Thiago Alcantara and Fabinho. You'd argue... You know, Harvey Elliott on current form isn't really far behind that. Um, so you're looking at sort of four very, very good options there. You know, again, Fabio Carvalho, Liverpool worked so hard to try and sign him uh, in the winter window uh, in the prior season. We, we didn't get him. We ended up getting him in the summer. Incredibly highly rated player. You know, he's kind of been forecasted to support the midfield in the following uh, following season. I, I'm, I'm under the impression that um, I think there's a lot of bodybuilding that needs to be happening uh, between now and 2023-24 uh, just to get him you know capable of being that sort of a midfield a reliable sort of midfield option and given the physicality of the Premier League um so then you're looking at you know potentially I suppose five quality options at a squeeze again I appreciate the two of those are far from being you know experienced options compared to our sort of starting three add then Jude Bellingham on top of that um it it's a really tough, as you say, we'd have to be very, very unlucky to be in a sort of similar situation this year. You know, we had this when we had the centre-half crisis and yeah. everyone was saying, my God, we need now two world-class centre-backs to come in. We brought in Ibrahim Ikanat and everyone was like, oh, you know, you should have gone for Upamecano as well. And now we're we're sitting here and we're thinking, my God, we probably have, you know, the best centre-back partnership in world football at the moment in Virgil van Dijk and Ibrahim Konate. Um, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent, but you, you see where I'm getting at here. Like Liverpool are unlikely, statistically, to have another sort of midfield crisis, be it injuries, be a drop-off in form with, say, Fabinho, um, to the point where we're looking back and thinking we should have got another, maybe a third midfield signing beyond Bellingham if it were possible. So I, I think there is a case, certainly, to be made for going right, bring in Bellingham, extend Milner's contract, see if there's any room left in the budget and a player who fits um, fits the climate at Liverpool and sort of Klopp's demands. Obviously, you're, you're asking a lot if it's anyone underneath uh, £30 million to be perfect uh, for Klopp. And obviously, we'll, we'll be reluctant to bring in someone who's you know coming to towards the end of their career. It's going to have to be a younger option or of the, the variety of the 20 to 24 age range the recruitment team has generally preferred. Um, or like Arthur Mello as well, isn't it? Or like Arthur Mello, yeah. yeah. But, you know, I think as we've seen historically, um, such loan spells uh, don't always work out in our in, in our favour. I mean, I, I mean, I'll argue actually I was quite reasonably happy with Erjan Kabak um, before, <laughs> yeah. before he left. But um, I digress. I digress. And speaking 
speaking of centre halves, obviously, we, you know, we, we folks sort of brought up actually um, without us even mentioning it first. Uh, Gavard, I apologise for butchering the pronunciation. Uh, Gavardiol. Um, it's, it's an interesting name actually, because I think at some point Liverpool are going to have to invest in. Uh, our centre halves again. I wouldn't say as soon as next season. May, maybe next next summer um, at, at a push. But I think you know, looking at sort of Virgil, looking at Canati, looking at our options behind that with Gomez. I think the main one is probably Matip is is probably going to be in place suitable far sooner than, than Virgil. Um, but again, that's probably a problem for the, the future rather than the near future. I, I just want to get your thoughts on that because obviously he's highly coveted at the moment, been linked with with Chelsea, but he, he came out in the press and he said that, you know, he, his father's a Liverpool supporter. He used to watch Liverpool games as a kid, you know, he- heavily hinting that his, his heart is in Merseyside. Um, is it worth pursuing? And at what sort of point do we sort of jump in for such a talent at risk of him potentially going to Stamford Bridge or someone, another rival, um, before we eventually get to the situation where we're thinking, okay, we need to we need to bolster the back line here. Yeah, well, I, no, I think you touched on then. Obviously, I think it's not something that's massively aging, but again, it's something that, that Christian Folk brought up, didn't he? As you said, without us asking, oh, he's certainly an, um, an interesting name and someone who would add something to the squad. But I think, no, it. In terms of the current owners, we have we don't know which line we're going to go down in the future. In terms of if it's going to be investment, if it's going to be some dubious sourced money owners, or whatever's going to happen, so we might end up start splashing a bit of cash on a few options. But at present, what we've got, it's not going to be something that would happen soon. I think, you know, obviously we were we mentioned in Cuckoo, didn't we? And I think basically Christian Fox was trying to say that we don't really need a forward. If we were going to go anywhere in the midfield, it'd be a, a, at the back, which I suppose makes some sense. We are... On the department, we don't need to strengthen at the moment, is well, it? Well, as, as, yeah, I think, but it's probably the area that we're going to have to strengthen next, isn't it? Maybe, yeah. you know, probably the forward line. Firmino. You see Firmino, yeah. and, you see Firmino and, and Salah go in the next five years, surely you'd expect they'll, they'll both be out of the club in terms of age, and not because of ability, but maybe the forward line is something. But I don't know, it's... It's another name. It's an interesting one, something to look into. But as you say, if we're stressing about if we're going to get enough centre mids in, in time, we're definitely not going to be looking at a, a centre back anytime soon. But if the name gets brought up there by someone like Christian Fulton, he's definitely at least someone to worth maybe watching out for if you see him on the telly or look for some, some YouTube compilations and get yourself maybe a bit more accustomed just in case something does happen. But yeah, maybe it's a bit of a watch this space, I think. One to keep an eye on, uh, definitely. Obviously, yeah. the midfield is going to be the big one uh, come the summer window. Uh, just to finally break with the last uh, topic we discussed with Christian, um, we brought up the potential impact um, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Jordan Henderson's relationship in the England camp with Jude Bellingham uh, will have had on you know, his transfer. Obviously, Christian said, you know, look, it's it's... It's going to have an impact. Of course, it's going to have an impact. And he interestingly cited the case of Jamal uh, Musiala, currently plays for Bayern Munich, was convinced um, to put England to one side to join the German national team um, because of the relationship he has with his Bayern Munich teammates. I mean, it's 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 a very interesting comparison because it does seem to infer that um, well that, that our, our two stars have had a ber- very sort of big. Perhaps a bigger impact than many have expected or reported on um, on his tran- on a potential transfer to Liverpool. Yeah, well, I think a lot of the 
pre-tournament and early tournament talk was about how Trent's been good mates with you know with um, with Jude Bellingham, but I think it's obviously it looks like Hendo's taking the mantle now, hasn't he? And he he's carried this relationship. It's gone. Um, it has been a strange watch, hasn't it? It's been. It's obviously, been weird, hasn't it? Yeah, you you understand maybe with Trent and with with, with Bellingham that obviously they're more of a similar age, but it's like. Obviously, you can still be mates with someone. It's not like he's like forty years old than him, but it's it's a strange thing that you just would never have expected Hendo to be the one who was gonna now go and and maybe show him that Liverpool was the place to go. I always remember thinking when Hendo took the captain's armband, I always remember saying to myself like, you know, people wanted to come to Liverpool to play with Steven Gerrard. I just didn't see it happening with Jordan Henderson, but you know, no, no one saw the career he was going to have as captain of this club, winning every trophy. And you know, it's testament to him. And you know, Bellingham's got a an insight to him that we will never have as as fans. And he's you know come under his wing and just seen you know seen how impressive he is. You know, obviously we you know from watching him as a Liverpool fan more than other fans now because they don't appreciate him as we've seen. Now now the whole country's England supporters, they've now started to appreciate how good he is because he's probably one of those players you need in your team to understand what he does. You know, those empty stadiums when he used to be shouting at everyone, you heard that again in the World Cup, didn't you, how loud he was? And I think you know, it's testament to what Henderson does on the pitch and off the pitch. And you know, as we touched on with, with Milner before, those type of players add so much more than what you see from just watching a 90 minutes game of football. And I think Hendo was obviously really, I don't know, he's enthused Bellingham enough to think, you know, I, I want to play with him. And he, he's right at the start of his career. Hendo's nearing the end. If you can get a few years with him, hands-on experience. And, you know, he said it's all about seeing how he trains his body every day and puts the commitment in. He'll want to go and learn how to do that because he'll want to be playing when he's 32 in the World Cup for England, scoring in the, the rounds of 16. And he's, he's the captain of Liverpool. You know, Klopp plays him every game he can play him. And, He's won every trophy there is to win, so why wouldn't you want to look up to him? And there's not many others in that England dressing room you can do that. And I don't think there's too many at Dortmund who can put their CV up alongside Henderson and what he's achieved and is still achieving. And you know, thank God for Hendo basically if this all this all comes through. And then maybe maybe Trent's just a good laugh as well. He's one of fair bit like, but it's all worked quite well in the little trio. And yeah, we might end up seeing Bellingham here because of what Hendo's doing. Yeah, no, it's an interesting point, actually, because I think a lot of commentators seem to to feel that Bellingham's game is really sort of brought out by having Henderson uh, in the starting eleven. You know, obviously, Gareth Southgate seems to have picked that out uh, himself. And, you know, I think we we should expect to see Henderson in the starting eleven against France in the quarterfinals. Um, The question is, of course, if he does come to Liverpool if he comes to Liverpool. What does that then look like for Liverpool's midfield three? Um, because we're in a position where our current midfield best midfield three is, of course, Fabinho, Thiago, Henderson. Do we need then need to keep Henderson in the starting midfield three alongside Bellingham, which likely mate. means... Yeah, well, I mean, not, <laughs> not, not just simply because they're mates, but, you know, theoretically, if it, if it improves Bellingham's game, um, you know... Is that sort of getting ahead of ourselves here? Do you know what I mean? Like, do, are, are we looking at potentially taking off Tiago, which would be, you know, a big call given, obviously, given how important Tiago is to uh, Klopp's system currently? What, what would, you know, what would that entail? I think your strongest team is, as we saw, was it the Madrid one? That team only played together once in the final when we beat when we beat Spurs. So your strongest team very rarely plays because. 
you normally you never get to the game where you haven't got another game to worry about until it's the very end of the season. And then even then fatigue goes into it. So I think you can have four players who are your first choice players in a three-man midfield because the amount of t- time still play. Obviously, if it comes down to a Champions League final, they're all 100% fitness and the decision's made. But I don't know. I think Fabinho was the, the main specialist in there and that he can, he's probably the best in that role, but also Hendo can play there. I think Thiago just adds something different, doesn't he? And we, you know, we see how, how hard it is when we miss him in games where we just need to try and break someone down. But then we, it depends on the opposition as well, doesn't it? So, you know, uh, it's hard to say. You, you've got to take someone out that you're really loving in half today, haven't you? I think maybe in terms of bringing someone on, I think Hendo would have the biggest impact of bringing someone on just because of the, the energy he brings into a team. Although Thiago, if it's nil-nil or you're getting beat, he can come and change your game. I think Fabinho probably has to start. So then you probably start your captain, so you probably are right, Thiago, but then that sounds terrible because he's probably the best player of the three. If you like it. So whatever. Maybe I'll put Bellingham on the bench. He's not never done anything for Liverpool yet, has he? So he can start on the bench <laughs> and, and work his way up. And then when Hendo retires, he can take he can take the armband and take the mantle then. I, I, I tell you what, it's, it's very, very first world problems we're discussing here, aren't we? <laughs> having, having such a, a wealth of options potentially uh, in, in midfield. Um, I think, yeah, no, I, hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed it all goes to plan. Currently, you know, dare I say it, it's certainly leaning very much in Liverpool's direction. You've heard us, you've heard Peter Kenny Jones, myself, Farrell Keeling, and of course, Bundesliga expert Christian Falk breaking all the latest on Jude Bellingham and a potential move to Liverpool Football Club. Every single Liverpool fan will be watching very keenly between now and the end of the, uh, well, the end of the season, of course, we'll be looking potentially in the summer, I imagine. January will come far far too soon for any offers from Borussia Dortmund, for, for Borussia Dortmund, rather. But we hope you've enjoyed, anyway, this latest instalment of the Empire of the Cop podcast. Um, if you're watching this from YouTube, give us a like, hit that notification bell, and subscribe to our channel. You can also find us on Substack at Empire of the Cop Insider. And, of course, we'll be releasing all the clips and all the discussion around this um, on our socials, Twitter, Instagram, and the lot. That's us for now. Take care.